uh, it's Ripon does such a great uh, uh, job in uh, in this town and from a policy standpoint. Thank you, Jim, for your leadership. Where'd you go? Thank you. You're the you're the Thank you very much, Charlie. The, the programs you do, you know, the uh, the travels you do, all this is just so critical to moving policy to get uh, forward and putting people together on these issues. So thanks very much for your leadership. And every event at uh, Ripon is uh, beautifully organized. So thank you. For Great teamwork. It's uh, it's the holiday season, so rhetorically, let's just rip into the presents right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd, um, I'd like to bring up, if I could, because I'm very brief, I'd like to bring up uh, my three colleagues from the Health Subcommittee who are all critical, Dr. Tom Price, a physician and one of our top leaders. Tom, why don't you join us? Adrian Smith, uh, who just brings so much common sense, um, Midwestern uh, thought to all of our policy as well. And is Jim here? Yep. like Jim, one of our more thoughtful members who just, again, in a tough uh, district, uh, really cares about his community. Great experience as well. So um, these are my reinforcements. <laughs> This session uh, helps us really set out three clear goals. The first one was to shine a bright light on the rollout, the implementation, the impact of the Affordable Care Act. I'm going to leave those discussions to my three colleagues uh, this morning. We hold a hearing here in just a few minutes, really sort of mirroring the title for this uh, breakfast today, Reform versus Realities of the New Health Care Law, and the impact not just today but going forward as well on, on patients and providers uh, in, in our local businesses as well. Uh, our other second goal was to find a permanent, reliable solution to how we reimburse our physicians under Medicare. I'm going to address that in just a second. And then our, our third goal was to begin taking the steps to bring about structural reform of Medicare, both in the context of how we can pay for a permanent solution uh, for our physicians, but also how we take the steps to extend the life and, and ultimately save Medicare as a viable program going forward. If you follow the subcommittee, you've seen a number of hearings where we really created nuts and bolts approach to let's look at how seniors buy their Medicare premiums. Let's look at how you can improve the design of the system. Uh, and we will continue uh, those, uh, those hearings and that focus uh, throughout next year as well. The immediate issue before us uh, deals with how we reimburse our physicians. You know the problem here, you know the 15 years of, of uh, continued extensions, how we've moved physicians locally from being irritated uh, to frustrated to angry to now they're changing their behavior. They're rethinking their relationship with Medicare. They're rethinking their private practices. In a time when our senior population is skyrocketing, the physicians able to see them are going the opposite way. And if there's any population that needs to see a doctor they know and one who knows them, it's our seniors. So this is the session to find a permanent solution to do that. And the truth of the matter is, we can't, we can't really take the necessary steps to save Medicare until we first solve this in a very positive way. Good news is we're making progress. Uh, we have uh, sort of reversed the process. We know we want to move to a, a reimbursement system that uh, first stabilizes where we're at today. You know, we've, we've really created way too much drama for our local physicians. It's made it much tougher for them to practice. 
So the first step is just to call a timeout to stabilize this system so physicians know for the next number of years they're not facing 20 and 30 percent cuts every year. The second uh, focus is to begin uh, the transition to reimbursing based on quality, not on quality the way Washington wants it, but the way the quality that our physicians practice to, both our primary physicians and our specialists. And we're making good progress in that area because we, as I said, reversed the process. We reached out to 75 national organizations, physician organizations, asking a simple question. How, how do you measure quality in your practice? What really works? And so we're putting in together, a, we think, a proposal that brings forward uh, those quality measurements driven by physicians and driven by what already is working today um, into the process. And then and ultimately, we hope over the decade that these reforms begin reimbursing not just on quality, but on efficiency. So not just higher quality healthcare, but at a lower cost as well. That's a tougher target to hit, but, but it can be done because we're seeing it occur today. The challenge, of course, is to do this in a way where you both encourage physician groups that today are already integrated models of doing all of this uh, beautifully today, but also to be able to encourage and recognize we have physicians in rural communities nearing retirement in isolated areas where this is a much tougher haul for them. So we have to make sure we've got a system in place allows them to continue to see seniors as well and to continue practicing in their communities. And so we've got some challenges, but we're making progress. Uh, we've worked closely, ways and means, we've been really fortunate to just work hand in glove with the Energy and Commerce Committee. Uh, they passed a 51 to 0, a proposal that really begins the first step uh, on how we reimburse positions. We had the luxury of watching that process unfold getting comments from our physician groups after that passed, beginning to incorporate those improvements in our uh, work, as well as uh, lay out a framework with Senate Finance. Because at the end of the day, we want to see these reforms done in this session. This will be a bipartisan effort. And so um, then we've also reached out uh, to our leaders and our doctors caucus and other healthcare providers in our, our house talk about what improvements they want to see, and we've begun to, to incorporate those improvements uh, as well. We've got some work to do, but I'm hopeful. We are pointing toward uh, a markup uh, next week uh, on a Ways and Means proposal that incorporates many of the improvements. We've been listening hard. We've been working hard and coordinating hard on this. It won't be the final solution, the ultimate solution, that we think, I think, it's very important that, that every step we take on this issue takes us toward a permanent solution, which leads to what do we do before we leave? Uh, there will be an extension uh, of this issue again. To stabilize this, there's no need for drama here. Let's just uh, work toward the timetable of a permanent solution. Um, we think every step should take us toward a permanent solution, so we're proposing some reform, sort of what we might call an on-ramp. A permanent solution that begins the process of moving away from the unsustainable formula we have today, as well as hopefully finding ways to pay for that extension in a way that also moves us toward a permanent solution. It makes it a little, it's a little tougher target to hit. I'm absolutely confident we can. We've got an awful lot of work to do, both within the House uh, and within uh, uh, and with the Senate as well. But uh, we've got a great staff, Brian and Marty are here today, but we've got a great team extended as well uh, as they 
create a great relationship with our energy and commerce folks, and we have a great relationship with leaders like uh, Dr. Price and others. So I'm encouraged by it. We've got an awful lot of work to do. Absolutely confident we can do it. Absolutely confident we can get this done this session. Um, my, my preference is sooner rather than later. And we will not, at the end of the day, have a, a perfect replacement, but I want to set a whole new foundation for this debate. Rather than every year talking about a, a 20 or 30 percent cut, um, struggling local physicians really wondering you know, where they fit in all this. I want a foundation that, that changes that whole discussion that goes to reliability and stability so that the discussion in future years is how do we make this system even better? Not how do we avoid a catastrophe every year at Christmas time? And I think that's, uh, that's awfully important going forward. So um, with that, uh, I, want, I want to first start with Jim Gerlach, uh, who, again, uh, extremely thoughtful member of our uh, subcommittee. Did I just change the pronunciation of your last name? No. Tim Gerlach. <laughs> <laughs> you're so you're going to have to live with it. Yeah, so, uh, anyway, Jim, would you like to make some comments about uh, the Affordable Care Act and sort of how you see us going forward? Well, thanks, uh, Chairman, and uh, good morning, everybody. And Jim, thanks for the invitation to be with you. There, you're over here now. Good. Uh, thanks for uh, letting us be here with you this morning. Uh, Kevin just did a great job. And, summarizing what I think is a very important issue for us right now in the immediate uh, few weeks as we approach the end of the year for the doctors in our communities that really have been through the mill, so to speak, relative to Medicare reimbursements. And so thank you, Kevin, for your leadership. And we really do need to get something significant done for them so they stay in the practice of medicine, at least the practice of caring for seniors across the country. But overall, you know, what you see in the news about the Affordable Care Act is playing out uh, just that same way in the 6th Congressional District in southeastern Pennsylvania. Uh, did a teletown hall the other night and we had a couple of callers who uh, got those notices uh, from various insurance companies about the cancellation of their policies. And they're very, very concerned about where they're going to go in the coming weeks to get uh, reinsured somewhere else. In Pennsylvania, the insurance commissioner uh, has, not, uh, has not come out in favor of the president's fix in terms of just saying to insurance carriers, extend those policies for another year. And so there's great uncertainty in Pennsylvania about whether individual policyholders will have any place to land uh, by the end of the year as we start uh, uh, the new year, 2014. So there's great angst among individual policyholders as there is across the country. There's great angst among the employers of all sizes in, in our area about what next year brings in terms of mandates, in terms of regulations, in terms of cost to their, uh, their bottom line and what that means in terms of their ability to do business. And so, uh, uh, you know, I, I look at the Affordable Care Act vote that uh, we all took uh, back in 2009 as the best no vote I ever had uh, in my uh, 24 years of state legislative and now federal legislative service. And, it is just a terrible, terrible act. And so our obligation, it seems to me, moving forward is, uh, number one, identify the problems, which we've been pretty clearly able to do that. Two, offer a positive agenda back uh, in Congress and for our constituents about how we would fix this situation. Tom Price has a great bill and that takes a lot of those ideas that we put forward as a substitute amendment on, uh, on this vote to the Affordable Care Act back in November of 2009. It has a lot of good things in it. It's tough in a soundbite way to tell your constituents that agenda, reform agenda, in a way that you know, really uh, 
gets them excited, but we're going to have to try to figure out messaging-wise how to do that. And at the same time, we have to try to help our constituents through this problem that we didn't create with our vote, but we have a fiduciary obligation to them to try to help them as best we can to get them through whatever the act is and what the program is. So on the one hand, we have to work very, very hard, and I know we will uh, starting early next year with this agenda that we think is a better way to have health care delivered in the United States. But we also, at the same time, while we're trying to repeal and replace what the current act is, we have to be out there helping our constituents as well. And so it's going to be a two, two hats that we're going to wear uh, next year, but it's uh, what we need to do. And I just think eventually between a couple Congresses and a couple Presidents, we're going to get the equilibrium, the equilibrium to where it needs to be on how health care is delivered in the United States. And uh, we need to get on that right away with a positive message. So thanks for having me. Appreciate it very much. Perfect. Well, Jim uh, did a perfect introduction, Dr. Price. We all know him because of his leadership roles, but um, whenever we hear the president or anyone say, you know, Republicans just want to go back to the battle system, they have no ideas of their own. Uh, Dr. Tom Price has already laid out a uh, positive vision for a better way to provide affordable care. So, Tom, thanks for being here. Thanks, Kevin, and thanks to all of you. And, Jim, thank you so very much for your friendship and the work that you do here at RIPON. And, and for all of you, RIPON is a, is a vital organization. Uh, to the Republican cause and, and the education process that all of you assist us with is, is absolutely imperative. <coughs> so thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I think for those of you that and you may all have, have heard Kevin speak before, but I think uh, uh, the privilege that the three of us have and the others on the committee serving uh, with Kevin was just uh, demonstrated uh, clearly to all. Uh, uh, Kevin's an individual remarkably accomplished, but a sober, uh, reserved, measured uh, response to all, and always upbeat and optimistic. So it's a great, it's a great, uh, it really is an honor to serve on the Health Subcommittee on, on Ways and Means and to serve with our, our colleagues there and look for those, those positive solutions. Um, I've, I've chatted with a, a number of you before um, we sat down and, and there were some significant concerns expressed about um, October. Um, and not the World Series, but the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the challenge that we had here in, in town. And, and let me suggest a couple silver linings. I'm always looking for the silver linings. Uh, one is that I don't think there's a soul in America who doesn't believe that Republicans don't like the ACA. <laughs> nobody, nobody uh, could, could, could sit back there and say, well, those, those guys, those gals think that there are some things that we ought to, uh, ought to retain there. So uh, it, when, as this thing crumbles, it's clear which side of the aisle is supportive of uh, uh, propping it up and, and putting in place a system that puts government in charge of health care, not, not patients. The second is, and this is a little counterintuitive, but I think that our Republican conference is actually more united coming out of what happened in October uh, than we were before. Um, and that was because we, the, in, in spite of the, 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 what, the, the decisions that were made and the strategy that was adopted, we actually linked arms together and, and said, okay, here we go. Um, and and uh, I, I think that's important going forward, especially for the work that needs to be done in the, in the uh, 13 months uh, left in the 113th Congress. I get asked a lot of home, is, 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 is the people are excited, uh, not excited about people having challenges with their health care, but they're excited about what seems to be a movement in Republican direction on health care issues, uh, that recognizing that there are some other solutions out there, and we certainly don't need to put the government in charge. And, and they say, how long is this going to last? And, and I think it's important for people to appreciate that this will continue to last as long as this law stands. 
Uh, and if you just try to, to sit back and look at the next four to six to eight months, um, this is more than just a website. Uh, the fact that you can't keep your plan, in spite of the President's promise, uh, is, is clear to all Americans now. Uh, one of the next steps is you can't keep your doctor. Uh, there's so many people that are going to find that, that their physicians uh, aren't able to continue in, in, in this uh, practice environment. Or even if they were pushed from a, 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 a private plan in the Blues or Cigna or Aetna to an exchange plan with the same company, the panel's going to be a whole lot uh, uh, more narrow. And so even the doctor that they saw before, they probably aren't going to be able uh, to see again. They likely aren't going to be able to go to the hospital that they went to. Uh, so those things are going to drip out over the next uh, next few months. Um, in addition, you've heard about all the challenges with the, uh, uh, with, with, with the website and the information that's being transferred from website to insurers. And now the announcement yesterday that they're going to have the insurers estimate you know, what, what the subsidy would be and just, just send us a, an invoice. We'll be glad to, to, to send the money back to you. <laughs> Um, the problem is, is that when the patient walks through the front door of the doctor's office come January 2nd, they're going to have a card or may have a, a note that says I'm, I'm in, on this plan. There's no way for that doctor's office or the hospital to be able to confirm that. So you're going to have a huge challenge with who's, good, who, who's eligible to be seen uh, as, as we move in, in, into January. Uh, then the, the rate shock, the bills come due uh, in, in, in January. People are actually going to get that envelope that they open up and it's gonna, not going to say, Oh, you owe $400 this month. In fact, you owe $1,200 this month, and that's going to be a huge, uh, a huge shock to, to people. Um, the deductible, most folks' deductible, somewhere between $500 and $1,000 uh, on the exchange, is somewhere between three and $6,000. Uh, that's a shock to go into the hospital and have a, have a, a procedure. Uh, people are going to recognize that this isn't all that it was cracked up to be. Identity theft, we haven't even begun to see the problems with identity theft, and it will occur, I promise you. Uh, that's, not a, that's not good, uh, but what that means is that there will be another uh, straw on that, on that back uh, of the camel that, that people will recognize. This thing is, is just going to continue to roll out in a, one disaster after another. So I don't think it's going to go away. Once uh, we get through the first quarter of next year and you see that, that, that maybe things may uh, begin to work a little better, I doubt it, but if they do, uh, then the insurance companies are going to they're, they're be posting uh, uh, their rate increases for 2015. Because all the young invincibles are going to be paying the penalty, not getting into the exchange, uh, those rates are going to skyrocket. So this, I think, flows through the entire next year, which gets us to the point that, that Kevin and, and Jim alluded to, and that is, okay, what's your plan? And the fact of the matter is, Republicans probably have too many plans as opposed to too few. Um, and uh, there are all sorts of wonderful solutions out there. I'm very confident we've been talking with, uh, with uh, the Ways and Means folks and, and with leadership to make certain that we have a, a, a proposal, legislative proposal, hopefully in the first quarter of next year, that will um, put our arms around, Republican arms around, the things that all of us know uh, can be done uh, in, in good, good ways. And it won't be a soup to nuts, but I think it will be a plan that people will be able to say, that makes sense. Uh, whether it's association health plans, whether it's purchase across state lines, whether it's some med mal reform, whether it's uh, uh, the kinds of things that you all know so well can work and should, should uh, be able to be embraced by the American people. So I think we'll have a contrast. Uh, I'm sad uh, that real people are going to be harmed, are being harmed by this law. Uh, it hurts for those of us who are public policy makers and have responsibility for representing our constituents that real people uh, are going to be damaged uh, in their quality of life and health care because of this law. 
uh, and we will continue to fight as hard as we can to make certain that we replace it uh, with legislation that actually respects patients and families and doctors <coughs> making medical decisions and not Washington, D.C. So uh, uh, all of the work that you do to assist us in that effort is greatly appreciated, and uh, we can't thank you enough. Perfect. Tom, thank you. Um, as you know, everything looks perfect on paper in Washington. How it works in real life is a bigger challenge. Uh, Adrian Smith brings to the committee a uh, keen insight on how all these policy issues in healthcare apply to a rural state and rural communities and rural physicians and providers. It's just been invaluable as we go forward. So, Adrian? Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, thank you for uh, taking the time to come and have a, a bit of a dialogue. Uh, Kevin's right, my district is, is rural. I have 75 counties. Nebraska's third district. I have some critical access hospitals that uh, I've encountered exactly, uh, but I would say more than two hours from a Walmart. That gives you an idea. <laughs> <laughs> do we still do that in America? <laughs> it, it, it is possible, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be from downtown DC to a Walmart. <laughs> 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 That's changing today. I uh, very seriously, though. And, there are new regulations uh, being announced uh, as we speak, uh, rolled out, that uh, I would argue are very arbitrary. I met with a leading scientist yesterday who is concerned about regulations stifling innovation. That's no surprise. Uh, certainly, uh, you guys know what it's like to, to work in the trenches of you know, fighting regulations and you know, bureaucracies and, and so forth. And I, I really am concerned about uh, how uh, you know, just the complexities of Obamacare alone, not to mention the fact that uh, it didn't even address some of the realities, SGR, uh, that are, are a bipartisan concern. And so here we are fighting the battle on, on SGR, and I think there are good faith efforts on both sides of the aisle uh, to, to bring about a resolution uh, that really should have been uh, included, and I think may have changed the debate uh, a bit as well. Uh, that's water under the bridge. Here we are with a, a system that is broken and getting worse, and uh, we need to be prepared logistically. I, I know that, that there are many proposals, and I appreciate the, the efforts of my colleagues uh, putting out uh, various uh, alternatives, and uh, we also know that the conditions uh, of the current situation before we are able perhaps uh, to transition to a better system, we don't know what those conditions will be like. And so we need to uh, continue a very diligent effort uh, to make sure that we stay on top of these things uh, as, as we do see uh, opportunities uh, to pursue a different direction as it relates to, to healthcare reform. So, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, it's interesting talking with healthcare professionals uh, in, in, across my district because um, even critical access hospitals in my district, I do have uh, several of them, uh, they're different one, one to another. Uh, not, not all of those are two and a half or, or, or so hours from Walmart, but uh, there are differing numbers of beds, differing levels of care, uh, you know, in combination with uh, perhaps assisted living or, or uh, otherwise. So. You know, that most common request uh, from my constituents is to be left alone. And, uh, and that's not just in healthcare, but we're finding out that these, these patients, these consumers, the, these, uh, <clears throat> these people, uh, as, as we mentioned earlier, um, 
They're, they're fighting this battle on the front lines. And uh, these are many individuals who are doing everything a responsible person should do to plan for their future. Buying health insurance that covered pre-existing conditions. And they, it was a plan that they liked, now they've lost it. I, I've had public meetings across the district and hearing from these individuals. And, and, and one lady I, I, uh, I heard from in my home community that I hadn't heard from on, on this topic prior, um, but she showed up with her cancellation letter. Hmm. She said she had a pre-existing condition. And uh, of course, we're led to believe lately that uh, uh, no private insurance company was previously covering a, a pre-existing condition, and yet uh, many were. So we need to work through all these things and uh, certainly uh, provide, as we are, uh, but heading uh, more in the direction of a better alternative because that's what the American people want. And quite honestly, that's what they hear. Thanks. Now you can see the fire firepower our subcommittee brings the healthcare challenges. So, uh, Jim, with your permission, let's open up the questions. Sure. Uh, Don Carlson, doing such a great job introducing everybody. <laughs> You can have the first question, or you can pass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's your chance. Right over there, Ann Canfield. Thank you very much. You know, as you, everybody's noted, that there's a complete and ongoing and growing mess on the payment side of the healthcare plan. Yeah. But on the care side, if you look at big data and how it's combined in a system like Watson Solutions, uh, IBM system, and how it's teamed up with Mayo, Johns Hopkins, and et cetera, to um, uh, it, it, using tech, it's, if you combine all of that big data and uh, the, its computing power and its ability to uh, deliver to the docs the latest the studies, recommendations, et cetera, it is enormous in terms of its impact on the Because it's reducing costs, improving the quality of care. When we combine all that with the biotech revolution, <coughs> It's just amazing, and I sort of look at all this and I think payment side and what's been done here in Washington is not at all reflective of what's going on on the private side in improving the quality of care and reducing costs. And so it's just a, something, you know, the chamber had a day on big data last May, and I think that they have it online, and your staff can watch it, etc. but it's very interesting, and I'd recommend that you start looking at it. Great, thanks. Well. Technology can be such an important tool uh, in healthcare. Um, two quick thoughts. One is that uh, technology is expensive, especially for you know sole practitioners, physicians, for example, smaller group clinics, and others. Uh, one of our challenges is how we move forward on quality. Really is dependent upon some investments in technology uh, and interoperability issues like that. So we've got some challenges uh, there. The other thing is we're very um, uh, sensitive toward recognizing there's some remarkable models in healthcare occurring as we speak this morning. The trick is to avoid, as in the past, to pick one model, take to the national level, apply it across the whole country, because in truth, healthcare really comes up, springs from the regional uh, needs of an area. And so the goal is, we think, to sort of encourage in these reforms that type of regional integration, high quality, high technology, without imposing sort of that one-size-fits-all um, uh, solution. We think if we do it right, we'll be encouraging our physicians and our providers to be working together that way. Any other comments? 
I just one, if I may, and, and, and data is important, and, and I know this will come as a shock to some, but docs are actually scientists, and, and, and we like data, um, and, and, and rely on data, and want to, want to improve. Uh, but data based on claims information and data based on quality healthcare are two completely different things. And when the government looks at claims data and uses that as a, as a substitute for quality, then you end up in the wrong place. The reason that the private sector can be so vibrant and, and utilize data in a positive way from a quality standpoint is because they're looking at, at clinical data. They're not looking at claims data necessarily. So uh, that, that's the reason that we need to have quality measures that are, that are determined by the folks providing the care, not by folks who are looking at the, at the bottom line and the claims information. Thank you. Jim Colby. Jim, good to see you again. Kevin, good to see you and all the, all the rest of you. Thanks for the great work all of you are are doing and for outlining to us some of the problems we're seeing in this. It's, it's clear though that the, the website's going to get fixed. It's, gonna get, it's already getting better. It's going to get fixed. Uh, Tom has laid out some of the other problems that are going to keep unfolding as we go through this. But after the first year, you can be sure as soon as they possibly can, the Obama administration is going to pivot to a message of, well, yes, we've had problems, but we have a plan. They don't have any. And now you've You've told us here that there's lots of plans out there. I think what the, the key thing, obviously, is for our leadership to get people like you uh, and some from the, from the Energy and Commerce Committee together to hammer out a plan that can become the Republican plan, and we've got to roll that out. It's got to be simple. It's got to be understandable. We've got to hit it over and over and over again, or else we lose the advantage we have between now and next November. I'm sure you understand that. I just hope the leadership understands the importance of getting something out there that people can understand Media can start to focus on as the Republican plan. Jim, you I think he's right on, and uh, uh, I hope the sooner and early part of next year we get that out, the better. Uh, I get those same questions from people back in my district, as I'm sure my colleagues do. What's your plan? And then you have to take 10 minutes to talk about everything from across state lines to AHP to medical liability reform, et cetera, et cetera. We've got to figure out, and those are great ideas, don't get me wrong, and, and something that I support. We've got to figure out how to distill it down into a very uh, easy message to people. We'll say, yep, that's a better way to handle reform than what Obamacare is. And I think that's going to be our challenge, but it's also our responsibility. We've got to get that kind of messaging worked out early next year, in my opinion, so we can be talking about that while we're also helping our constituents through this, this current malaise that they are, current uh, uh, problem they have with the Obamacare Act. So, Bottom line is, I agree with Bob Arnold. You need to have that message. Well, I, I would add just uh, yes, sir. one thing, and I mean, they, I think, will try uh, to say everything's fixed with an operable website. Uh, the coolest of websites doesn't resolve the IPAB, Independent Payment Advisory right. Board, issues that I, I call SGR 2.0. I, I think even if we fix uh, SGR, uh, you know, we're, we're going to see this whole process of the president appointing 15 people, simple majority vote now. Uh, but even the logistics of that, uh, I think, uh, could prove to be complicated. And uh, so it, it's uh, one issue after another. Well, I just want to thank you both, all of you very much for the SGR proposal. We were really, really pleased and encouraged by the proposal, and we are very hopeful that it's able to, to progress uh, through the process. And um, just a question about um, timing. I know the current SGR patch goes to January 1st. Do you think they'll be, you'll be able to get something done before uh, 
Yeah, we're really hopeful, and we've done some good work on that. You know, the length hasn't been determined. Um, uh, that, but, but that may not be as important as how we go forward. You know, including reforms that are that on ramp toward the ultimate solution. Pay fors that that actually focuses more toward a permanent solution rather than than you know driving any wedges in there. And so, and making sure there's not a, a payment gap. That would be, you tell me any differently, but our priority uh, in this subcommittee is to make sure that, that physicians don't face that cliff, don't face that gap, and that every step we take is, is positive toward that solution. want to ask a question or perhaps make a point that kind of bridges a couple of things that, that I've heard. One is you know, the importance that, that whatever our plan is that we distill the messaging down to something that's easily understood by you know, the lay citizen that this is not a technical explanation of, of healthcare policy. And Dr. Price, you mentioned you know, that after all the difficulties with the website and policy and political problems, it boils down to the impact on individuals and, you know we've all heard the cliche how about the Democrats talk like social workers we talk like bankers and I think this is more important now than, than ever that that ultimately our ability to communicate the impact that the president's plan is having on individuals on their relationships with their friends their family their children that's 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 I think in the long term ongoing basis that will determine the truly whether people trust us to do something better. So I, I just, uh, I, if I'm hearing that, that's something I, I feel like this is an opportunity for us to really learn from our past mistakes and, and do something that the president clearly, uh, at the expense of the president's own credibility. And as Tom, as you, as you lay out your plan back home and to others, you know, what do you lead with? Um, what, yeah, what do you lead with in the message? Uh, two, two things I point to uh, at, at the top line. One is very simple. Uh, patients and families and doctors ought to be making medical decisions, not Washington, D.C. That's the sixth second. And, and everybody nods their head and says, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, the, the cut below that is that the principles that we all hold dear as it relates to healthcare, whether it's accessibility or affordability or quality or choices for patients, all of them are violated by the current law. And all of them can be enhanced and, and, and have as the foundation for a solution. And, and then you, you march on, I march on to what, what the, my, I think the solution is. The, the point that you make though is really, really important, and that is that in, in not just in 233 districts in this country will there be people harmed by this. There will be people harmed in 435 districts in this nation, and they're going to tell a story that, it's, that we cannot tell. And they'll tell a story on the local nightly news, to the local newspaper, to the local uh, uh, city council, uh, the uh, people that, that, that represent them, and they're going to say, I. I'm being, this is harming my family, this is hurting my child. My cancer that could be treated is now not able to be treated. This is major, major stuff. And, and if we, we don't need to be dancing on anybody's grave because that's not what we mean. The point that we want to make is that we fought as hard as we could to stop this because we believe there is a better solution. And, and, and now I think the, the, uh, the critical mass among the population will be there to allow us to put forward and hopefully enact 